Before we get started today, I want to remind everyone, I'm sure a lot of you know that this is pretty much the best time of the year to get art supplies. Um, there's tons of really good deals around Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Um, right now at Blick.com, they're doing something a little bit different. Um, they're running deals all weekend long, um, but it's kind of a while supplies last type situation. So you want to get over there and get your orders in for the stuff that you need for your art practice. Um, they've got amazing discounts right now on the Utrecht oil paints, as well as canvas, panels, aprons, tools, just tons of stuff that you probably need for your art practice. And you're going to pay a whole lot less money for it right now. Uh, there's also just a ton of really good uh, stocking stuffers and things for the kids and all kinds of great deals over there. Um, and if you navigate there using our affiliate link, which is just MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick, B-L-I-C-K, they will then donate 10% of your purchase to the Messy Studio Podcast, so you're helping us out as well. Um, also, if you spend over $300 right now, which, let's be honest, is pretty easy, um, you're going to get a $50 e-coupon. So that's another great reason to get over there and get the art supplies that you're going to need for the year. So once again, when you do your shopping at Blick, go there through our affiliate link, which is MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick. MessyStudioPodcast.com slash B-L-I-C-K. All right, let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about the wow factor. Words like wow, stunning, and amazing are music to the ears of many artists. We all create plenty of art that elicits no more than a passing glance or Instagram like, and that's fine. It's part of the process. If we are making art constantly, what we make includes a range of qualities and ideas. But what is it about those special pieces that makes them stand out and really engage the viewer? What can we learn from them and what questions do they raise? With me as always is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. So if we consider art to be communication, um, the ones that really engage people are telling us something. And it's worth um, paying attention to and learning from the works of art that do that because it means we're connecting and we're, uh, we're speaking to other people in ways that they're able to receive it, understand it, respond to it. And this, I think it happens to every artist. Uh, Many of us have had exhibits where we have all the, you know, we have 20 paintings up and there's two or three of them that everybody's kind of gravitating towards and they're the ones that are attracting a lot of tension and some attention and engaging people more. And um, a similar experience, sometimes when you're selling work, there'll be one painting or one one work of art that you could sell 10 times, you know, you sell it once and then you get all these other inquiries about it. Um, and, and you yourself, when you look at the work of other artists, you, you know that there's certain ones that really stand out to you out of all the things that they've done. And so that's what I kind of wanted to talk about today is what is it about those things? Um, those special pieces. And I, I don't, I'm not going to say there's some kind of magic formula um, for getting to that point. And, and even if there were, I suspect that if you 
repeated that formula too often, you'd, they would lose their impact. <laughs> and maybe it's because they are, they do stand out. Um, they're unique. They stand out in some way that's special. But I, I really think they are worth, uh, learning from, paying attention to. But before we get into it too far, I want to say there is another side to this, as there often is, because sometimes the popular vote goes to things that are popularly interesting in some way. Um, you know, following what a bunch of people like in our work, if it's not exactly in line with our own ideas or intentions or what we want, you know, maybe not the best idea. And it, it can lead to work that's kind of formulaic or things that we ourselves don't really connect with. And it would lose that special quality that people engaged with in the beginning. Uh, an example of this is, you know, you sell you sell a red painting at your gallery, and, and this has happened to me, and the gallery turns around and says, hey, you know, people really like red paintings. How about some more red paintings? And you think, oh, okay, sure, I like red paintings, you know. So, But something is missing then when you try to do it because you think it's going to sell or because you think it's going to be popular. And I really think there there has to be both things uh, happening in, the, in these ideas that I'm going to talk about, about this kind of special work. You have to like it, and it's also work that is engaging people. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, recognizing that the pieces that people gravitate to, they may just be simply colorful or they may have some imagery in it that's easily appreciated. Right. Sometimes there's something obvious about a painting that, that draws people to it. And sometimes it's more about just everything works. You know, it's you were in yes. the right kind of flow state and you were had the right kind of mindset or passion about the piece. And it all just came together in a kind of magical way. Right, and and we can't expect that to happen all the time, uh, and you know sometimes it's coming together for other people, but not necessarily for you. <laughs> this is definitely something that most people have experienced. I think where you you kind of think, why is that? Why is that one painting so popular when I actually think it's, you know, I, I prefer this other one. So. There's that kind of aspect to it that you may not really get. And I think in that case, you can you don't have to pay a whole bunch of attention to it. But when you really like it and other people really like it, I think that's the magic point that we want to talk about. Yeah. And it's funny because in podcasting, we have analytics. And so we can see like what people are sharing, what, what they are gravitating to. Uh, mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not the episodes that we expect. And sometimes we produce an episode that we think, wow, that thing, that was awesome. We were firing right. on all cylinders and then nobody listens to it. It's, so it's, it's very confusing sometimes trying to figure out what is it exactly that that uh, people are gravitating to. Right. And, you know, how much how much weight do you put on the fact that a bunch of people like it? Uh, like I said, if it aligns with something you yourself are interested in, then all is great. But <laughs> I think we can also get thrown off track by saying, oh, everybody's interested in this one thing. But, well, okay, let's pursue that. But we're not super excited about it. Um, you know, that kind of takes the fun out of it. So, so what, yeah, so what I kind of want to talk about today is when those things align, you know, when, when it's all kind of gold. <laughs> um, and what are the, I think one of the first things that, that I notice in a work of art where I would respond 
And as an artist that I feel really good about is that it shows a really uh, strong sense of purpose or intention because I think this is what we respond to in kind of a gut level. We know the artist is committed to this idea and, and whether it's an abstract painting or whether it's some sort of imagery, you feel that intention. You feel that this was not random or um, just thoughtlessly done, that there was intention. And it can show up in lots of ways. I mean, it can show up in how the person is using the visual elements, like uh, there's some kind of maybe cohesive color idea or there's a scale that's impressive in some way. Anything, it, it kind of gets down to a certain sort of boldness, I think, in the work. And and even as I say that, I don't mean to rule out work that's very subtle or very minimalist, because that can be bold as well. You can be boldly subtle <laughs> because you're committed to it. You, you've pushed it and you've seen where it goes. There's a certain risk that's been taken, maybe. And, and it's hard to pull this off. Uh, another reason why we don't always hit it. You know, we don't always get to this point with a painting. But I think that's a real point of connection. When when you were bold enough as an artist to do something that felt strong and important and your audience is receiving it that way, I think for the audience, there's a sense of connection then to the person who did this. It's not, it doesn't feel wishy-washy or, oh, hey, it could have been one of, you know, 60 people that painted this. You feel the presence of the artist. And I think as the artist, kind of what you want, right? I mean, you want to put yourself into it and you want to meet people there. You want to have your audience come to you uh, within the work of art. Um, I, I was thinking about kind of an analogy, like as the artist, you're speaking kind of loudly and clearly, whatever it is you're saying. Um, it's a difference between being heard um, and having people receive important information, the difference between that and sort of a mumbling, rambling, pointless conversation, you know, <laughs> or you're not quite sure you heard right or something. I mean, there's it's sort of a disconnect. Um, and, but that strong, purposeful conversation, you know, that's the one we remember and we engage in because it's clear and it's focused. So all that to say, that's a strong point about most of the time when you look at things that that are communicating well and you feel good about, there's that purpose. There's some kind of intention there. Even if you can't really articulate it, you get a sense of strength from that work. So that that's kind of the first one that came to mind. And the second one is that the work comes from a place of personal meaning for the artist, for you. And that can be a lot of things. I mean, that could be an intellectual idea. That could be an exploration of color that because you're personally interested in it. But oftentimes it's also something that comes out of your own experience or uh, some mood or emotion or association. So there's a sincerity about it. And it's to me, this is a bit hard to pinpoint, but it's one of those things where I know it when I see it. I know it when I do it as an artist. I know I'm connected to this piece. And anybody who does a lot of art knows there's a range of that. Sometimes you're just 
doing stuff because you're curious about what's going to happen or something. Other times, you know, there's a real investment in the piece. And most of the time, there's at least a lot of that. But there are certain pieces that just hit it. Um, and overall, you're doing work that isn't derivative. I mean, it it is really your your personal voice is what we call it really in art is you're speaking from the heart and soul about something through your work. And what this does for the viewer when, when you're looking at work like that is you, you do sense the artist and you sort of want to know what's behind the work. Um, so you, you sort of enter into a deeper level of conversation whether you're actually talking about that and, and revealing it in an artist statement or whatever it is, but there's, there's a more personal engagement, I think, when, when the artist is being personal. Um, it's, uh, something, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but something that my painting teacher told me in, in college, undergraduate school, uh, Andy Schaefer said to me, uh, the more personal something is, the more universal. And I think of all the things that have been said to me um, in all the years of making art, that one had the most impact. Um, and he said it to me in a personal way. And I'm not sure when it came up, what I was struggling with. Um, I think I was probably trying to say something grandiose in a painting. <laughs> you know, I want to make a big statement here. And he said, hey, you know, just do it from the heart. Just do something that's personal to you. Well, and what's personal is also what we know the best. We're not we're not talking from we're talking we're, we're, we're speaking from a, a place of expertise because we're talking about something that, that is us and that's important to us. It's yeah. not something that we are um, trying to express an opinion about that we don't necessarily have the experience to speak on. Yeah, and and even if you want to take on a bigger theme, something social or political or whatever it is, I think still coming at it from what's meaningful to you personally, day-to-day, is a good way to go. Uh, a lot of times uh, in, the, in the field of writing, creative writing, we're told to start with personal details about something. That's where your most authentic voice is. And so when the, when the uh, person looking at your work senses those personal connections and personal uh, details, it feels fresh. You know, it's like, oh, here's a person I'm meeting. I don't know this person yet, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to know them a little bit through their work and not something that's kind of rehashed by, you know, lots and lots of people in a similar way. So it, it, it just, it's a conversation. And and they can enter into it with their own kind of ideas or associations or imaginations. And um, and and saying all that, I don't mean to say that you shouldn't work within a certain um, genre or approach. I mean, I think of like plein air or figurative painting or lots of lots of categories. I mean, most of us have work that fits into a category, but it's finding that personal expression, that personal voice, your own vision, this is a big challenge. And it's something a lot of artists spent years, uh, I know I did, trying to arrive at what 
what is personal to me. And then it's interesting once you sort of discover that, work with it for a long time, then it starts to open up again. That's what I've been experiencing as a, I guess I would say a mature artist, is I'm starting to find a freedom again. And hey, I'm going to try this or that. uh, Because it's like you have to focus down for a while to get what's what's working for you. And then it opens up again. Um, sometimes people resist focusing earlier on, say, I want to try lots of things. Yes, that's a stage too. But there's sort of this middle stage of really finding that personal um, expression, I guess you could say. And people looking at art really respond to that uh and they may not always like it, but they're going to feel it. And they're going to feel that, you know, there's a person behind this who's a, a unique individual. So that's the second thing that comes to mind, you know, in, the, in these these pieces that really seem to have a certain power to them. Real quick, I want to let everyone know about what's new with Squeegee Press. Squeegee Press has now undergone its beautiful transformation to become Cold Wax Academy. And what's more, for everyone who enjoys using their special Cold Wax tools, all sizes of the SP Create Squeegees are now back in stock. Rebecca and her partner, Jerry McLaughlin, are also launching their online live learning sessions as part of the new membership program. And all sessions will be recorded for future viewing by members. For more information and to become a member of Cold Wax Academy, please visit their website at www.coldwaxacademy.com and click on the membership button. That's www.coldwaxacademy.com and hit the membership button. All right, let's get back into it. So the third thing I thought of, you know, what makes this work powerful? It works for you. It works for people looking at it. Usually, at least, there's a strong technical mastery, control of the medium, people looking at works of art respond to a sense of control that the artist knows what they're doing. Um, And you know, when you, as the artist, you know, when you're, when you're there, when you're in the flow, when you're kind of on the top of your game with whatever it is, a technique you've been developing or something, and it's really working for you. And, you know, we admire mastery when we see it, and we love it when it's happening for us. But I I also want to say technique alone isn't going to do this. I mean, that can become a little bit stale over time. People may be amazed when they first see it, and then 10 paintings down the line that are the same sort of approach – well, you know, the eyes start to glaze over a little bit. So, okay, yeah, is that is that is that all you got? You know, <laughs> that's a quote from my friend Lisa Pressman, who says that to her students once in a while. So, what else have you got? You know, it's like technically, technical technical mastery alone isn't isn't really going to do it. It's kind of the analogy of um, uh, playing a musical instrument. You know, it's 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 often said about uh, a performer. Well, they are very good technically, but they don't have quite that expression. They don't have quite that it thing that really moves people. And so it's definitely in there, though. I think it's it's something people do respond to. It's something we feel good about when we're, when we're really, we've got the technique. Um, but, you know, I, I keep thinking of flip sides here. We don't want it to be too perfect either. 
people uh, communicate, we communicate better when there's a little bit of an edge to it, a little bit of roughness or rawness. Perfection, as much as we think we want it in our work, can also turn people off because then you're not quite human if you don't have a little bit of a an odd place in your work or a little bit of a something that seems a little rough. It can be very subtle and probably is in a work that's very strong, but sort of good to have that little bit of something in there that isn't quite resolved, I think. Um, yeah, it makes it more interesting. It, it draws the viewer in. Yeah, and you don't want it to draw somebody into the point that that's all they're staring at. In right, right, work. yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't be distracting. Yeah, like, oh, that corner looks like it just wasn't even considered in the whole painting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, oh, that that color there seems a little bit bright. Is that is that okay? You know, like you may think that as an artist, I do. I'll put down a bright color and then I back off and I go, wait a minute. Right. Um, I'm going to subdue that a little bit. <laughs> but... Yeah, that little bit of edginess, a little bit of energy. Yeah, contrast. Is good. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, and if you have a really perfectionistic uh, personality, you have to kind of restrain yourself from being overly refined, I think, overly going over every little bit and saying, let's tweak every little bit of the painting. Um, I think I've said before in the podcast, I do struggle with this a bit. And sometimes I have to put something down, walk away from it and say, I'm going to just leave that and yeah. come back. Oftentimes, the more you work on something, the more worked on it looks. And that yes. for certain styles of work, that can be an asset. Uh, but right. for other styles, it, you lose that spontaneity. Right. It really does depend on your style. That's a good point. I mean, a very, like, say, photorealistic image uh, wouldn't put up with much rawness. <laughs> but if you, if you have a more expressive style, gestural style, um, Yes. You have to find that balance between that mastery, that control, um, and that little bit of rawness or spontaneity that's that's in there. Um, and, and maybe it's that balance that people respond to as well or that you feel good about. You've left some energy in it. But to leave that, to decide to walk away is an aspect of mastery. It's an aspect of seeing your own work in a way that through through someone else's eyes and saying okay it's it's got it's got that nice balance right now i'm going to leave it and nobody else can really do that for you i think that's your job um so often i i see people online asking the world at large uh, i don't know is this painting done what do you think uh they're wanting that feedback that's fine when you're learning but i always feel like hey that is your job to decide if it's done and it it comes it really comes down to so many aspects of personal voice and this sense of mastery. Is this where you wanted to end up? Is this you? Um, and people respond to that. If someone else says, "Hey, leave it alone, it's done, that's them. you know that's their vision. And so I kind of encourage artists not to say that to other artists. It's really common. People say, oh, stop. I've had people come in my studio when I'm not even halfway done with something and say, oh, I love it. Stop right there. <laughs> no. <laughs> you love it, but I don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, um, so that, that whole issue of technique, mastery, all that stuff, finding your own point 
um, in within all that that feels just right to you, and it will often feel very good to whoever's looking at it. And the last one I wanted to to touch on, we did a whole episode about this once, which is beauty. <laughs> um, people respond to beauty, and I think as artists, most of us anyway, feel really good about beauty in our work. Um, but we, I looked up the episode, it was 132, where we went into this idea, what is beauty? And we talked about it as um, not pretty, as distinguishing it from pretty, which is kind of superficial, but beauty as having a power to it. And beauty can be about dark things and difficult things that we struggle with, as well as what pleases our eye. And oftentimes, even in a painting that pleases our eye, there can be something that's a contrast in there and something that gives more depth to it. So beauty is very subjective. We know right. this. <laughs> I think with all of this stuff, it's it's kind of like you, you know it when you see it. And yes. <laughs> over time, you you begin to feel it when it's happening. You get You get this sense of, okay, this is a really good one. And it's something that only comes with experience and in, in being able to, to predict when uh, when it, it's all going to come together and create that wow factor. Um, it is. And, and the wow factor can also be frustrating to the artist because when you have those paintings that are just like, wow, top of the game and people are responding, uh, it's it's sort of that conundrum of the person with the first novel that's a big hit you know right okay Okay, so that was good um what's next i mean you're gonna stumble into it every once in a while and Mm -hmm. uh i i think that the only way that you get some measure of consistency in your ability to produce that is just to produce a lot all the time and some of it's going to work and some of it isn't and over time you get a, a sense of what is working while it's happening and what's worth pursuing uh, that's a really good point, and and to and to know that you're going to do a lot of things, uh, you as you know we said in the intro, <laughs> if you do a lot of work, you're going to do a lot of stuff that isn't that great, because you have to take those steps to get to the stuff that is. And one of the things that I believe a lot of artists now feel some pressure to do. I myself feel this sometimes is to is to always put stuff out on social media that you're working on or that you just did. Well, if you don't curate that, um, I, I think it can give a I don't know, it's not this is a personal opinion because people lots of people put absolutely everything they do online and they put stuff that's in process and all this. To me, curating it, what you show people on social media is similar uh, in my mind to curating an exhibit because this is what people see. This is what people are paying attention to. It doesn't really show the process though. And that's the side that a lot of people do like to see. They like to see that um, it took 10 paintings to get to this point where you have one that you really like and everybody thinks is good. Um, so I guess there's two sides to that story. Do you, and it's, it's up to you to decide, do you want to show your process? Do you want to show the struggles? Yeah, it makes you human. Um, or do you want to treat it like, um, an exhibit? I'm going to show my best work only. So, you know, I'm just putting that out there as 
there's no easy answers to these things. And I'm expressing one opinion, but uh, equally valid are other opinions about how to treat this. And I guess to me, there's I don't feel comfortable putting things uh, online that I don't feel are finished or at least up to my pretty high standards. <laughs> Obviously, there are things that aren't my best because I do a lot of painting. Um, but at the moment when I put it up, I want to feel like, yeah, this is this is really working. I'm happy with this. And so that's kind of my approach to it. But the truth is, and to get back to the point we were making, we all do a lot of stuff that's kind of, eh, we're just trying to figure something out. And that is absolutely part of the process. And to not be overly frustrated by it, it may be a long stretch in between these really good ones. <laughs> Um, or you may get you may get five or six in a row and say, "Wow, I am on a roll." You know that's great too, right? And when that happens, it's important to not become discouraged if you if you do have something that's a little bit of a slump. Yes, yeah, it all it, averages out. Yeah, I mean we we've also talked. I, I feel like we're hitting on a lot of things we've discussed in the past on the podcast, and one of those is ebbs and flows. So you have these times when you're struggling. Um, and the work isn't really coming along the way you'd want it to. Maybe you're a little bit blocked. And then you can think about these shining times when you had this great painting. You know, <laughs> It may seem unattainable. It's like, oh, that! how did that happen? Will I ever get back there? And yes, you will. Um, you keep at it. But nobody's going to produce these wonderful things all the time. It's just, it is... I guess you have to look at it as a process. And sometimes the byproduct of the process is is wonderful in many ways. And sometimes the byproduct of the process is stuff that ends up in the trash. And it it's all important, actually, to do it. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Yes, I think that finding what what we do in our own work, finding the ways to work that stay true to our own ideas and also uh, communicate with others in a way that's, you know, like strong and engaging. It's one of those lifelong challenges that we take on as artists. And we're going to have some pieces that hit the mark and lots of others that don't. But paying attention to the work that does fit both criteria, yours as an artist, and what viewers are responding to, is a worthwhile thing. And I think it, it encompasses those four points that I that we went through here, the, the purpose or intention, the personal voice, the, the technical mastery or the craftsmanship or whatever you want to call it, and this elusive beauty factor. <laughs> um, it's important to, to pay attention to those things. And there's probably more. Those are the ones that I came up with. And it in the sense of, it's important, not in the sense of repeating that the same thing, like, oh, I hit on it, I'm going to do this over and over again, but to go to that deeper level and say, what what am I learning here? What, what has this taught me? And what else can I do with this information? All right. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. 
For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.